Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, the first half was so much fun. And then, is it possible to just forget the second half of that Broncos and Vikings game? Because it's cliche, but holy cow. Whatever happened at halftime wasn't what needed to happen. No, it was backwards. It was funny. I, I was, I, I told, uh, I told my son this joke. We were sort of talking at the end of the game. I said, you know, if you were somebody who watched the first half of that game and then turned it off and walked away from football for the rest of your life, you would be a happy fan because you would think. Wow, the Broncos were really on their way to a victory there. And then you, you could just live in that sort of fake euphoria forever and ever. Whereas if you're a true fan and you just kept watching like we did, you got to wallow in, in the disappointment of watching them just blow a 20-point lead. <laughs> just it was, it was comically bad, comically painful to watch because it didn't feel like that's what was going to happen. I, I don't know if, if you felt that way, but I did sort of have this sort of doom and gloom feeling of trepidation going into the second half like okay how are they going to mess this up to make broncos fans gag a little more as they listen to this 
Warren Sharp pointed out on Twitter that teams were 0-9 the last five years when trailing by 20 or more points at halftime. Oh, oh I'm sorry. 0-99. 0-99. Prior to Sunday, only 2% of teams, 28 of 1,399 in NFL history, down 20 at the half, overcame such a halftime deficit. Now, I'm going to make the gag effect even more pronounced. According to Elias, the Vikings are the first team in the last 40 seasons to score a touchdown on every second-half possession and win after trailing by 20 points at the half. Ew. I don't know what else to say to that. Just ew. That's that's one of those things where when you're when you're watching the game and it just like it's it just sort of keeps snowballing, right? You could almost feel that you could feel the stadium. You 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 knew the fans were going to get into it. You could see it sort of happening with the players on both sides, right? The the Vikings were getting more and more hyped. The Broncos were starting to get more and more nervous. They tightened up and it, it just showed that eventually the, I mean, I don't want to say this and, and seem like I'm, I'm sort of hating on the Broncos here, but really eventually the better team won. I, I think that there's no, no doubt about the fact that it, as constituted right now, the Minnesota Vikings are a better football team than the Denver Broncos, but to watch that team sort of slowly collapse like a flan, right? Like a sort of a, a busted flan in an oven where it just sort of sort of the the air goes out of it 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 was it was comically bad it was just difficult to watch and it just sort of goes to show that really the the biggest problem with this team is that they can't finish games it's it's been a continuation all season uh you know and i i i would have to tell you my big takeaway here from this game is that for whatever reason, the Denver Broncos on both sides of the football, offense and defense, can't really figure out a way to slam the door on teams. There, there's something there that prevents them from just going out and and taking a win against teams that are pretty good. I think that they they have won games, obviously, but th- there's just something about this team that they don't know how to finish. That even the games that they've won have been games where they've kind of had to hang on. And they couldn't hang on in this game, and it just kept going and going, and then eventually it was over. And I think that ties in to what we've been saying for the whole season is that it's a learning process, and it's going to be a learning process for the players to know the systems they're playing in. And it's also a learning process for a coaching staff working together for the first time, especially for a first-time head coach. So there's going to be a learning curve in all of this. That's not to excuse it because I, I I can't excuse giving up a 20-point lead. Obviously, you tip your hat to the Minnesota Vikings for the way they played in the second half because they had to go out and execute like they did. And I think it shows that they're going to be a tough out in the NFC playoffs if they get in with how loaded the NFC is, as we've talked about multiple times on prior podcasts, but it's a learning curve. And I think the thing that it does for me is it makes you wonder what if, because as you said, they don't know how to close out games. This is now the fourth time this season that they've lost in heartbreaking fashion. 
Imagine how different the season would be had they hold on and win one, two, three, all four of those games. So I, I while I get fans want to be pissed off, mad, irritated, annoyed with how it unfolded in the second half, it's a positive sign to see how they played in the first half. It's now a matter of learning how to put it all together. And I think the best analogy that I have is, as you were talking about it, I thought of a marathon where there's always that guy who starts off really fast, like he starts out of the gate and just balls to the wall, goes all out. And then you know he's going to burn out. He's not going to be able to maintain that pace over the course of the whole race. That's kind of what the Broncos did on Sunday. They come out, they go balls out, they they go into halftime with a 20 to nothing lead. Everything is roses and unicorns and rainbows. Candy canes. Broncos fans are having fun. They're actually saying they're having fun. That's why I said just focus on the first half. Let's just forget about the second half. Just yeah, live in live in the first half uh, reality and ignore the second half reality. It's you know it's funny you, you bring up a, a, a marathon analogy and all I can think of is I, I don't like to run. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to run, so there's that as well. And yeah, it, it's it was uh, it's funny to he- sort of think about this game and, and here's why uh, I think it's funny. We have in the last couple of weeks now. Uh, had the opportunity to talk to some some Broncos insiders. We had Cecil Lammy on. We had uh, Andrew Mason on. Both uh, great shows. Uh, I was on Broncos Country tonight with Ryan Edwards and Ben Albright. You've done their show a few times. Uh, and there is a different sort of feel that you get with this team, even with a loss. And I, I think you're right to say, you know, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated, ticked off, all of those things. You want to watch your team win football games. But even with this loss, and and – I, I, again, the frustration is that they don't know how to finish football games and that losing is a disease kind of mentality where they just sort of fall into these losses. But but what really strikes me as important here is that there is a sense of things getting better and the culture change that you you really are getting from moving from the old coaching regimes uh, of uh, Gary Kubiak and then on to Vance Joseph to where uh, Vance Joseph clearly had no idea what he was doing to now you have this Vic Fangio coaching staff that while they are also learning on the job because it's Vic Fangio's first time as a head coach and it's Rich Scangarello's first time as an offensive coordinator and you're you're experiencing those growing pains, it feels like those growing pains are going to lead somewhere. And I don't think that anybody has had that feeling in Broncos country for a number of seasons. And so even with a loss today, as as heartbreaking as it was, because it was, this was a game they should have won. There's still a sense that moving forward, this team is going to continue to improve. This team is going to get better. And the wins and losses at this point, and I know this sounds like a, a, a tired cliche, maybe a, a bad take, if you will. The wins and losses almost don't even matter to me right now. It's what does the product look like on the field? And is there is there measurable growth from when they first took the field at the beginning of the season to this point? And, and each week, do you see something a little bit better? 
And I think what we are watching is a team that is constantly improving. And now they have to sort of take that next step and learn how to win these kinds of games. These are the kinds of games they have to learn how to win. The ones where it's it they go up big and then they sort of falter a little bit because you have those highs and lows in a football game and then you recover. And they had the, the highs and then they had the lows and then they never recovered. And, and that's something that you have to be able to do as well. Football games are roller coaster rides. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. You've got to be able to recover, and they never did. The one thing to keep an eye on is, as you mentioned, they're on the path. And it's because of the coaching staff. I, I, I totally agree. I think it's it's solely because of Vic Fangio and this coaching staff. But the the other part of it is these young pieces in place. And we've touched on this. Cortland Sutton is a stud stud. And if it just emphasizes the need to get a quarterback even more to take advantage of that, I think Tim Patrick showed that he can be a number two receiver, especially since he came, that was his first game coming off IR. Noah Fant, I think had himself a really good game minus the, the continued need to want to do end arounds or sweeps with him. What is that? I don't understand it. That's not, I mean, he's not like. It's not like Emmanuel Sanders coming running around the corner and then he's just gone. Like, yeah, he's not Tyreek Hill. I mean, such a weird play call. I hope so. Hopefully Rich Scangarello will take that play call and throw it in the garbage and we'll never see it ever again. But there are some young pieces in place. I mentioned in the winners and losers how much I love watching Philip Lindsay with the ball in his hands. It's a lot of fun, as it is with Cortland Sutton. I think it's it's fun to watch Noah Fant when he has the ball in his hands. I, on, on defense, Mike Purcell and Shelby Harris had themselves games. Holy cow, did that front seven, as we talked about, because my key to the game was stopping Delvin Cook, they stopped Delvin Cook. Yeah, they did. He had 26 rushing yards. Like you nothing. hold Delvin Cook to 26 rushing yards, you should win. Well, and they and they should have won. And it's interesting. Not only did they hold him to 26 yards, my key to the game was time of possession. They won time of possession. They won the turnover battle. They held Delvin Cook to 26 yards. They won time of possession. It just, it just fell apart for him in the second half. I I, I love. I, I love this idea of a offensive coordinator who's trying these fun plays, like the 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 trick plays, the Cortland Sutton pass to Tim Patrick, some of those things. But I think you're right about he, he got too cute, and you can sort of see that he was trying to outsmart people that didn't need to be outsmarted. And uh, that's what that's what I think those Noah Fant runs are. Like, what are we doing here with Noah Fant? Well, we're gonna outsmart the other team. No, you're not. They're just going to go, that was dumb, and and that's the end of the play. I think that that'll be part of that growth. If you see Noah Fant run the football in week 12, that, then I think you should maybe get really angry with Rich Scangarello and say, what are you doing? But that, that was a learning experience, right? Oh, okay, what we've learned about our tight end is that he's not as fast as we thought he was. But he's got good hands, even though people want to say he doesn't. And he seems to be getting into the offense. He's a much better target for Brandon Allen than he was for Joe Flacco. And I don't know what that's about, but you're right. The pieces are in place. The guy you didn't mention, Dalton Reisner, 
I don't know what happened to him. He gets rolled up. He ends up with a bloody nose, and then he goes out for a play and comes back in, and he and he's a stud. Okay, even Garrett Bowles had a a, a passable game. Passable is that like right? A C minus. Give him a C minus on that. One yeah, penalty. I, I would say I would say it's a seventy. Yeah. So like right on right on the verge. Solid seventy. You know what? C's get degrees. So <laughs> they do. And then on defense, they're still, they're still the Denver Broncos on defense. It just sort of fell apart on the back end. It was, I don't know how else to explain it. Watching that game, it was like, this is really going to just keep happening, isn't it? And then it did. It just they just kept giving up points. It's like okay, I guess so. My big takeaway from this game is the Broncos finally have their backup quarterback. Brandon Allen is no doubt about it. The Broncos backup quarterback. So he's and that's, here. A, that's a huge luxury to have because you now have a guy. If you need him to fill in, can step in and fill in for your starter. As you mentioned before, we started recording the Broncos have their Bubby Brister. That's right. Bubby. Here's the keys to the Ferrari. Just don't wreck it. Uh, <laughs> That's a Shannon Sharp reference, by the way. So, yeah, I, I guess what what are we like? Where do we go from here? I, I mean, obviously we we're on to Buffalo. Thank you, Buffalo. God, it was all of a sudden, I almost said Toronto. Does that mean to have almost said Toronto? Well, the Bills Mafia might have a have a problem with it. Well, they might have to learn to live with it, but that's you know that's besides the point. But really, they. They look like a team that's gonna. I honest, I just don't even care about wins and losses anymore. Is that does that make sense? Yeah, I I I am on board with that. I mean, I want them to continue to get better. I want them to show improvement. But as I mentioned, my big takeaway is the Broncos have their backup quarterback, which means the Broncos no longer have any excuses to not play Drew Locke come that December home game against the Chargers. Yes, unlock the lock. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.